or your tears, but what he wants more than anything from us this morning is our heart. Amen? And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to dig in to the Word of God in Psalms. Psalm 34, if you want to turn there with me, you got a copy of God's Word. And we're going to read together. We're going to pray, though, first this morning. I'm going to talk to us about something this morning, the fear of the Lord. You know, I look around in us today as Americans and as the church that God has placed here, and we got a lot of fear. We fear COVID-19. We fear inflation. We fear the government. We, we fear we're going to lose our way of life as Americans. We fear everything but what I think we ought to fear. I don't see a healthy fear for the Lord anymore. And I ask myself today, Lord, where is it at in my life? Do I respect and reverence you? Am I in awe of you like I should be, knowing you like you have allowed me to know you? And when I see how people can disrespect not only God, but the things of God with no concern of all of answering to God, it makes me wonder what has happened to us. And this morning I want to pray and I want to read a passage that God has put on my heart. And I want to talk to us a little while about the fear of the Lord. It's going to come from the last verse we read. This comes from David. He says, come you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You may not think it's important to have a healthy fear of the Lord today, but I think when you look into the Scriptures and take time to study it, it's going to change what you thought before you got here today. It changed me this week. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read. Father, I want to thank you that your grace provides a healthy fear of who you are. You're the almighty God who spoke and said, let there be, and everything came into being. You're the one who formed us from the dust and breathed life into our nostrils. You're the one who gives life, you're the one who sustains life, and you're the one who is in charge of when life ends here on earth. And Lord, you watch over your creation each and every day, yet we seem to not realize how awesome, how great is our God and Creator. Lord, today as we study your word, teach us to understand what it means to fear you the way you would desire us to. And may it bring glory to you and blessings to us as we seek you today in your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. We read here that King David, David is writing this, and he was under great troubles. He was living a life of fear. He was being hounded and chased by Saul before he became king. And he lived each day in fear of Saul getting him and troubles of living a life of hiding in the caves and fighting each day to continue to survive. And he says, in the midst of that, though, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Now, what would make a man running for his life from the king who's out to kill him Living in caves, write that. Because look in verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Can I get an amen? 
And he delivered me from all my fears. Friends, if you're walking around in fear of the news, fear of the government, fear of what's going to happen tomorrow, friend, maybe you need to read and study this verse. Because I don't know about you, I ain't happy about the situation, but it ain't took away my way of life. Amen? I'm still living the way God wants me to live, doing what I want to do. I'm not going to let the things that are out of my control around me rob me from the peace that God put in me. How about you, my friend? And that's what David's writing about. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. He says, they looked to him, him, God, and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. That's how every one of us who know Jesus ought to look in the midst of everything going on around us, whether it's in pandemic, whether it's in the end of America as we knew it, whether we are in an inflation and we can't afford to fill up our truck and we can't even go fishing, we ought to still have faces filled with the presence of God that show his life is in our life. And look at what he says right there. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. David knew what it was like for God to hear him and show him his favor. Look what he says. He saved him out of all his troubles. Now, friends, listen to what he says here. This is where we get to the part I want to look at. Up above this, he's saying, He's delivered me from all the things I feared. But he says, But the angel of the Lord, not angels, but the angel of the Lord, encamps around all those who fear him. And he delivers them. And look at what he says. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the verse I was wanting to preach when God directed me on to this verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall lack any good thing. And then this is the verse I want us to look at. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Friends, listen. When you look into the Word of God, the Bible tells us this. That the beginning of knowledge is to fear the Lord. Knowledge that without knowledge, we're all ignorant. Without knowledge, we don't know who we are, what to do. Without knowledge, you can't know him. He said, only fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the beginning of knowledge, to know who God is, to have the wisdom and the instruction, is to fear him. Then he says, in another place, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of also wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Friends, When I look at this and I study it, the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom is to have the understanding that God is a being to be feared. He's a being not like any of us. He is above us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And friends, I don't know about you, but since I met God, I do think of God differently. I used to fear him in the wrong way. (laughs) Now I, I, I fear him. Not in what he will do to me, but what that he won't do to me. Amen? And friends, that's what David is talking about. A healthy fear. And I want us to think about that. The fear of God, my friend, is to respect and worship him with a deep sense of awe and reverence. That's what it is. He's not talking about think he's going to stomp you like a bug because you cussed yesterday. Or that he's fixing to punish you 
though he does correct his children. But friends, I want you to understand something. If you ever meet God and then you grow in knowledge of God and he blesses you with understanding of who he is and, and, and you begin to see him, you're going to have a deep sense of awe and reverence to the point you're going to want to respect him and you're going to worship him. He's going to be the center. He's going to be the foundation of your life. And you're going to fear disappointing him. And you're going to fear failing him because, listen, guys, he's a good, good father, amen? And friends, I don't know about you, but God is a God to be respected. But we don't see that in our days in which we live. We don't see it enough in our own lives, in the church life. But think about in the life out there. And friends, as I began to study this and I began to look at this, God began to show me some things. I want you to think about this. In order to be wise, according to God, requires that you have this type of fear of God. Anybody who does not respect and have reverence a fear of God, of who he is to the point they worship him, is not wise. In fact, people who are so opposed to God that they say there is no God, the Bible says it's the fool who said there is no God, and that is the biggest belief system about God growing in America today, atheism. And in order to fear God, you first got to know him. That's why no one fears him anymore. And in order to know him, you, you must be brought into a proper relationship with him. You have to be reconciled. And the only one that can show us who God is, is God who came to earth, Jesus. Jesus said that, the Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said this, not me. He said, me and the Father of one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And this is what the Bible says, guys. He wants everyone to be saved. When you see a person who has no fear toward God, who can disrespect God, who can have no concerns or reverence toward God, I can promise you he has not met him. He does not know him. He may be religious. He may have a system that he says he believes in God. But when you meet the true God, you'll be thinking different of how you used to think about him. And friends, I want you to look at this. The Bible says that God wants us all to have the understanding knowledge of God. Because once you understand him in true right knowledge and you've got the wisdom to know what he is and who he is and how he works, friends, guess what? You're going to have a healthy fear of him. Look at what he says. It says God desires all men to be saved and just live like everybody else. Do whatever you want. Don't care about God. Don't think you're going to answer to God. Live how you want. Do what you want. I think what it says, he said, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In fact, that's what salvation is. It's to be reconciled. It's to become into a relationship with God where you know him and he knows you personally. And friends, there's only one who can make that happen in your life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father. No one will ever come to the Father except through Jesus. So everybody else talking about God with an alternative God, with an alternative gospel, is a fool because he don't know the knowledge of God. The gospel, my friend, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as a sacrifice for us who God took 
and laid the sins of the world upon and allowed sinful men to crucify him. They buried him. But because he was God in the flesh and he was sinless and he was the son of the living God, he raised him from the dead and he lives today. And my friend, that's the God that we worship. That's the God you're going to answer to. And so I want us to look in some stuff this morning. David's saying right here, that I sought the Lord and he heard me. If you're lost today and you seek the Lord, he'll hear you. If you know you ain't saved and you ain't ready for eternity, if you know there's ever been a day when you confessed your sins, repented as best you could toward God, and believed by faith in God's provision that he sent his son to die for you and to give his life for you so that he could save you, and you've never done that today, I promise you he'll not turn you away. He's looking for people who have the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding to fear what it means to live outside of the saving grace of God's salvation. And if they'll just say, Lord, help me, he'll forevermore be within their heart. And friends, listen, today we act like this is an option. If you want to be a Christian, be one. But all these other ones, it's really not going to matter. May I tell you that everyone who's serving Allah is going to go to hell? That everyone who's got a false gospel that's works-based and more about them than God is not going to find the God they think they've been looking at all the time? That when you meet Jesus and Jesus connects us, that's what makes us right with God. But you know today when we look around, there's no fear of God to be found very much. Today we live in a secular society that absolutely rejects God. Look at our entertainment. You watch it all the time in your home. You ain't scared to watch it, and they ain't scared to make it. They make fun of God. They blasphemy God, and we laugh at it and become entertained with it. If that ain't the only thing you don't believe me about, look at our government. Those people will lie. They will cheat. They will be so dishonest and it's so obvious, but they don't care because even when they get caught, nobody does it anymore. There's no standard. There's no character involved with being a public servant anymore because we don't fear God. We don't reverence Him. We don't respect Him, and we're not in awe of Him to the point we worship Him and say, Lord, if you said it, that's what it is. Yes, God loves us. Yes, there's no other friend like Jesus, but he's God. And friends, today, if you don't believe me, atheism, the belief that there is no God to fear, is the biggest growing belief about God in America. More people are turning and embracing atheism than any other, whether it be the false cults or the true teachings of God. The church of Jesus. It's an epidemic. And a lot of them may be an atheist, but they are influenced by atheism. You know why? Our secular university campuses are populated by those who promote materialistic, naturalistic, evolutionary atheism. Now, when I found that in my studies, I'm a redneck like you. I had to look it up, so I'll tell you what that is. If you send your kid to a secular college, LSU, Texas Tech, 
Whatever one. The majority of them lost, liberal, godless professors will teach your children that there's only material. There is no such thing as the spiritual. That there's only the natural. You're a fool to believe in supernatural. And creation is not only out of our colleges, it's out of our elementary schools. It's not even considered that creation could have a scientific approach. Anybody who believes that is a fool. So they teach evolution. Now, guys, the problem with that is it's spreading. And God, he said, our job, David's job said, is I want to teach you to rightly fear the Lord, to reverence him and respect him. But when you've been told your whole life there is no God, there's no God to fear. See, they don't want God involved in creation. They don't want God involved in morality. They don't want God involved in our life at all. So what do they do? They teach that there is no God, and if there is no God, there's no God to fear. And it's evolved to the point that they have convinced many of our fellow men and neighbors that if there is no God to know and fear, then there is no divine authority to determine what's right and wrong. And if there is no absolute authority to determine what is right and wrong, then there is no divine authority to give an account to. So do whatever you want. Live it up. Go for the gusto. Who's to say you're right and I'm wrong? And now today it's so confused and it's so jacked up that what God said is wrong, they say is right. And what God said is right, everybody else says it's wrong and we don't even do anything about it. We don't say anything. you got kids that are a product of it, and we just look around like it's all going to work out in the end. It is going to work out in the end. Exactly the way God, who created it, who sustains it, and who is over it, decides. But we don't think like that no more. We've been sophisticated. We're educated. We have technology. I had somebody the other day who says he's a Christian told me that they found eight people that were 350,000 years old. And he believes that these people that they found in this room, that we've been to this point before, and we had some kind of nuclear disaster and knocks us back, we had to start all over. I'm like, where are you getting that? And we've heard follow the science, and I don't know about y'all, I found out that don't work too good. You're going to trust science? They tell you this bone that they found is 350,000 years old. God, somebody tricked them and gave them a bone. They told them it was old, and guess what? They knew where they dug it up from. They was one buried it when it was dead. They ain't always right. And friends, listen, today we live in a time where we do not believe that we're going to give an account to God, that there is a right and wrong that you got to answer for, because we don't really believe that there's a God who we're ultimately going to answer to. But there is. According to God's word, those who reject and do not fear God are catapulting themselves 
and all who follow him into an abyss of confusion, tragedy, and finally judgment. If you don't believe me, look at what's happening to the world. They're so confused. It's such a tragedy to see how out of control, not just America, but the world is. And I hate to tell you, but it ain't just Putin and Biden who's confused. The tragedy is all of them are confused because they left the wisdom of God and they departed from the knowledge of God and they don't have understanding of the Creator and they run the world void of Him by what they want to say is true. And then they wonder why we got all these problems. Friends, you ever wonder why crime is out of control? And they say, well, the way we'll fix crime is we'll just defund the police. Is that wisdom? America is spiritually dying and dead and on the way to final judgment and we think we can vote and find a politician to make it all right again. Friends, I don't know what you think about America, but I think America is so confused, the tragedy is so great, there's not a human being on the face of the earth that can fix this mess. But there is a God in heaven who could fix it if they let him. But they may not let him, but even if they don't, he can fix you. Can I get an amen? He can take care of you. He can take you in the midst of your fears and take them fears away. He can put you in the middle of trouble and deliver you from them troubles in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? It ain't going to be easy. It probably ain't going to be pleasant. But in God, all things are possible. So that tells me it's possible for a person who sells out to Jesus, who fears him enough, who reverences him and respects him enough to worship him and says, well, I'm in all of you and what you can do and who you are. Here I am. Friends, I'm going to tell you who's the fool. The person who thinks he can live life without God. I was that fool. And friends, as we begin to look at this, let me show you what the Bible says is going to happen to everybody who rejects God's knowledge and God's wisdom and does not allow God to give them understanding and lives their life without that. Turn with me to, hold your place here, we're coming right back to close. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Everybody here knows Proverbs is the wisdom book. It's the wisdom book of God given to the Hebrews in the Old Testament. It's the ability... Proverbs is the wisdom that we need to have the ability to live life skillfully. To live life in the way that we get what God wants to give us out of life. Now listen, a godly life in an ungodly world, that's hard to do. You can't do it without God. And this is what he says, the beginning of it all in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what he says. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Have you noticed they don't want to hear nothing about God? They don't want to be instructed by God? And they don't care about what God says is right and wrong and how to live. Friends, anytime you reject God, anytime you're opposed to God, and anytime you try to live life outside of being under and submitted to God, that's sinfulness. And look at what he says in verse 10. My son, 
If sinners entice you, do not consent. Any of you been enticed lately? Any of you been told to believe something that you know is not what the Bible says? To allow things that is not what the Bible teaches? To accept alternative lifestyles that are opposed to the God life? Every day. It's pounded to us through TV and through social media and through education now. Our kids in public school are not being taught how to live a God-honoring moral life that reverences and respects God, whether whatever you want him to be, they're taught that you're a fool to believe in this God. It's what they're taught. And I want you to see what God says happens. In verse 15, I mean verse 11, he says, if they say, come with us, he says, don't go. (laughs) And every day your children are being told, come with us. They're being told, we understand, we have scientific proof. We're intellectual elites. Us government people know more than you common people. Let us tell y'all what to do. Friends, I made up my mind as best I can. The only person I'm letting tell me what to do is God. Jesus, sometimes my wife, amen? (laughs) If I think she heard from Jesus. But I ain't listening to Washington. I ain't listening to their science. Because they have proven over and over and over that they got it confused. That they don't always stay the same. Friends, listen what he says we are to do. He says in verse 20, I mean verse 15, My son, do not walk in their way with them. Keep your foot from their path. If anybody says they don't believe in God, you better not believe what they believe. And if anybody shows a life that has no fear, no reverence, no respect, no awe of God, and they certainly don't worship him, you better not let your kid get around him because he's going to influence him just like you're trying to influence him for Jesus. And what's happening is atheism has grown. Atheism is all in our land. So even if we're not saying become an atheist, they're still being influenced by the majority of atheist leaders. I'm telling y'all, masses of our Congress are are atheists or at worst they're agnostic types that believe there is a God but you can't know him. And friends, I don't know if you understand this. You might say, well, at least my child believes in God. He just don't know him yet. Agnostics go to the same hell as atheists. And friends, listen to this. He goes on and tells us, God's provided for you if you are like David. David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I wanted to find God and he found me. Listen to what he says right there when you get down there to verse 20. See, wisdom's here. Wisdom's being proclaimed. Wisdom is even provided in us. Look at what he says in verse 20. Wisdom calls out loud us outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. And open, at the opening of the gates in the city, she, wisdom, speaks her words. And look at what she says. How long, you simplistic ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. That's what God says. Because I have called, and you refuse, though. I have stretched out my hand, but none of you regard it. 
because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Friends, I don't know if you're paying attention to what's going around, but we are run by governments all throughout the world who disdain the counsel of God. They want to be the counselors. They don't want to be rebuked. And friends, listen to what God says. Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when your terror comes. Have you looked around the calamities here, my friend? Terror has welcomed itself in our streets, in our communities. It's not coming, it's here. And friends, look at what he says. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, friends, anybody watch the news, distress and anguish every day. But you see, we don't even realize anymore. I'm glad God removed our TV. I don't know what you call it. TV stands for television, but I call it the hell vision Because it does much more for hell than it does the kingdom of God. It has rightful times and good things. But you know what has happened? The devil's slick. He took his time. He's just gradually and continually kept putting his message kept teaching his philosophies, kept promoting his anti-God, anti-Christ, till now it's on TV and none of us even, we don't even have discernment to see it. We're desensitized to it. And it's conforming you and it is, you think it's bad on us who did come up when we had some good godly counsel. What you think it's doing to your grandkids who ain't never had what we had, who don't have a foundation built on God, who don't even know there is a God to fear. I thank God my mama did the best she could. She was a lost Catholic. She didn't know who God was. She was religious. But boy, the first thing I can remember mama doing with us when we went to bed was, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, mama, we can die, yeah. I pray the Lord my soul to take. But we, we don't tell that to kids. It'll scare them. It'll make them have unhealthy thoughts. It'll make them have a complex. People in hell have a complex, I'm telling you. They're going to wish someone told them that you're going to die. And But friends, my mama did the best she could. My mama had to look. Don't you do that. You quit that. When she give you the look. You know what I'm talking about in a store or at a house. The look meant when you get home that what you did is going to be told to your daddy. And daddy didn't have a look. Daddy said, go to your room. And when you got to the room, you got a complex. You got a complex that I ain't doing that ever again because my daddy will beat to the home and you know what? But oh no, that's ungodly. No, it ain't. It is godly. To correct your kid, to not correct your kid, to never do anything, to show your kid that there's consequences for doing whatever you think is right. When God said it is wrong, you're going to answer, my friend, for things that we allow that God says don't do. And you know what happens to those parents and those people? They let them kids do what they want. They justify it. They take a, we love our kids. We're just going to talk to them. Talk, talk, talk. But if they ain't repenting, they ain't changing, you better punish, you better correct. Because one day they're going to do something you can't fix, so they're going to put them in jail. And they're going to say, well, I'm sorry, ma'am, but what he did now is out of your jurisdiction. But friends, one day worse than that, one day they're going to answer to God. And jail is nothing compared to answering God 
when you have lived as if he is nothing to fear and reverent and respect and be in awe of. Can you imagine the shock for these liberal atheists when they wake up in the next life and find out that there is a God and he ain't happy with the choices you chose. Let me show you what he tells us is going to happen to everybody who rejects God. We just stopped at verse 27. He says, when your terror comes like a storm, and friends, it's happening every day. It's getting worse and worse. And your destruction comes like a whirlwind. Go ask the Ukraine if that's not true. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Why? Because they hated my knowledge. And they did not choose what? The love of God? The fear of God. They said, I ain't fearing the Lord. Man, I can do what I want. They didn't really believe that there was a time of accountability to God. So they lived how they wanted. They did what they wanted. You say, what is the answer, Lord? Marvin, what can we do? It's right here. It's it's in verse 8. Look at what David says. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in God. And this is where we're going to stop. You said it can't be that simple. Yes, it is. <laughs> See, the Lord's good. And everyone who trusts Him believes in Him enough to put their life in His hands and to trust Him, to accept His knowledge as true and to let Him give them understanding by trusting Him enough to follow Him and let Him be God of their life. He'll bless us. Friends, listen to this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts Him. What's the first thing He says that those of us who trust Him, those of us who taste Him, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want to those who fear Him. He says there in the King James, and you don't see it as clear, but in some of the newer translations says, the young lions lack and suffer hungry. What He's saying is, Even the young lions, who are the best hunters in the forest, even they lack in hunger sometimes. And there ain't no better hunter, there ain't nobody better than a young lion. Not old lions. You ever seen that movie Secondhand Lion? I ain't talking about that. I love that movie. Like when he come out, he says, that lion you ordered is defective. But an undefective lion, he don't need you to feed him Perina. He won't go hungry. Even a lion sometimes will suffer hunger, the greatest hunter in the jungle. But look at what he says right there. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. That don't mean that America has to be doing right, that deflation has to go down, that taxes have to go down. That, that means no matter what's going on in the midst of troubles, in the midst of fears, God can do that, my friend, if you'll trust him this morning, if you'll taste to see how good he is. God don't have to make America good to show you he's good. And look at what he says. Come, you children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So what's the first thing he says? Look at this next verse. This is the life I want. Who is the man who desires life? Who doesn't desire life? 
abundant life, the good life that God wants us to have and loves many days that he may say good. I don't know about y'all. I want the life God wants me to have. I want to live many days and I want to see a lot of good. How about you? Amen. He says, what man doesn't want that? So what does he say to do? Look at what he says. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Man, don't say that today. They won't come to church. Friends, I'd rather them quit going to church and get out of hell. They need to understand. Look at what he says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, though. And those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Friends, but you've got to taste personally yourself and see that the Lord is good. Why was he able to write that to us, to teach us how to properly fear the Lord, reverence the Lord, be in awe of the Lord, to respect the Lord and know who he is to worship? How is it that he has a heart that writes the first three verses. He starts off saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. But listen to what he says. He has personally experienced the goodness of the Lord. See, you can't have all of this in your heart and have knowledge and understanding of it to the point it's active wisdom in your life to where you are living the way God wants you to by secondhand knowledge. The church can't give it to you. The preacher can't give it to you. Your spouse can't give it to you. You got to get it from the Lord yourself. And friends, listen, it's fixing to get good, I promise, and we're going to close. Listen to what David says. I sought the Lord and he heard me. How many of you knows what I'm talking about there? He delivered me from all my fears. I'm not living in fear anymore. I'm not worrying about tomorrow because I know who's got tomorrow. I live every day believing in God, trusting him. I taste of him every day by faith to see if he's good and he is good. You see, you can't know that by just hearing about it, by seeing others celebrate it. Look at what he says. They looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. The poor, this poor man cried out to the Lord and heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. He says, listen, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. So taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you has got a favorite restaurant? I don't know what your favorite restaurant is. Jonathan is real picky about what he eats. And it's hard to find one that you can bring him to that he likes to eat. We finally found one we both like, China Buffet, amen? But that one ain't the kind I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you go to a special restaurant where you might take your wife for your anniversary or a friend that you want to impress, a place that has impressed you because you like it that much. You see, I want you to think about this. I've taken people to the, to the restaurant with me. I say, man, this is a good. This is one of my favorite restaurants. Man, wait till you see what they got. Wait till you eat this. Wait till you try this dish. Wait till you eat this part. 
I told him about the Mongolian grill, and now he's got Alicia eating it. Amen? See, that's what happens. When you taste that the Lord is good, and you personally experience how good he is, and it's not something that you heard, but something you went and experienced. Somebody might have told you about it, but you didn't just listen. You went ahead and said, well, he tried it. I'm going to try it too. Amen? I'm here to tell you, I've tasted of the Lord. He is good, but you got to do more than sit in the pew and listen to the preacher advertise for God. you got to get a taste of God. And so, man, you take somebody to the restaurant. When you go to the restaurant, someone will give you a written description of what they have to offer you. It's called a menu. May I give you God's menu this morning? This is what he has to offer. And you'll take that menu and you'll begin to look. Ooh, this has got some good-looking stuff. Yeah, I've tried that one and I've tried that one. Man, you ought to eat that one. They're fajitas. Oh, man. And, man, you, you start looking and then Mexicans put pictures of it. It don't never look as good as the picture, but that picture makes you start getting saliva. You start smelling it in the kitchen. I don't know about y'all, but I can smell God in this place this morning. He's here. But I want you to think about this. You can read the menu for yourself and know everything on it, but not taste of what it has to offer. Too many of you out here this morning know the Bible, but you don't know the author. You know what he's promised, but you've never trusted him enough to taste it. And it's all hearsay. It's all something that I told you or the, the church told you or you learned in a Bible study. I'm here to tell you, I personally know that God will hear you if you seek him. If you cry out to him, he will answer you. I'm here to tell you, my friend, if you lost, he'll save you. You know why? He saved my stinking hellbound soul one day and I ain't got over it yet. And we ought to be excited about it. But we ain't. But what does make me even more concerned about us not being excited is we're not concerned with those who don't know him, who haven't tasted. And I want you to think about this. The choices available will look so good to you that you'll begin to just envision what it's going to be like to eat it. And about that time, the waiter will show up. And the waiter will come to your table and he most likely will begin to tell you things about the menu. You ever been there, them fancy ones? He'd be, yes, sir. Well, let me tell you about our chef. He's from such and such, and he's got this secret recipe. Ooh, yeah, it's so good. And, and, and he'll tell you about the daily special. He may even tell you about his personal opinion about his favorite dish. But you will never be satisfied by his words because you don't go to restaurants to hear someone else preach about their good food. When you go to a restaurant, I don't know what you go for. I go to eat. Whether Jonathan wants to eat it or not, I'm eating. And I want you to think about it. You go to a restaurant to taste and experience all that they have to offer you. Can I get an amen? This morning, why'd you come to church? Why'd you get up and say, I'm going down to Bethany? Was it to be entertained by me? Because I'm telling you, you are really getting ripped off. Was it to enjoy our fellowship? And I love all of you. But ain't none of you compared to my wife's fellowship. And it's wonderful to have all of that. But did you come down here expecting to get something from God? To get a taste of heaven? To let God save you? So he could take away your fears of not knowing where your eternity stands? You might say, I don't really all understand it. Just say, all oh, knows God, I want you. Seek him, he'll save you this morning. And if you are saved, how many of you be honest enough to say, I got things in my life that I need to be delivered for. The enemy's been getting me. The enemy got me this Sunday, this week twice. 
Man, I, I, I messed up, got in the flesh in the deacon's meeting. Man, I was all home mad at myself. Man, lost my cool. I was already beat up saying, oh, God, please forgive me. Got up the next morning, show up here, get a call from Brother Bart. Man, we got to meet with the blacktop man. He wants to talk to us about something. We get out there. He done dug a hole. He's got water in it. He says, I think you got a spring in the middle of your parking lot. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, Jesus, help us. But you know what? I looked and I said, I don't think that's a spring. I think that man's got a septic tank over there. He said, let me dig a little more. He pulled down in there. He pulled up. Man, I didn't get mad saying, oh, God, I can't believe you put a septic tank in the middle of a parking lot. You know what I said? Thank you, Jesus, that you showed me the stink underneath here that we can't see. Thank you that you showed us the sinkhole that would have stuck us. How would you have liked if one of you showed up in your big fancy cowboy Cadillac and come out of there and it was down in a sinkhole in a septic tank? So I don't know about y'all. I'm looking at that as thank God for showing me what's wrong. Thank God for helping us out. Friends, I don't know about you, life is full of things unexpected. But one thing I can promise you, you can expect, if you will taste God today, you'll leave saying he is good. If you'll trust him today, you'll find out that he'll bless you. It's that simple. You know why people ain't worrying about tasting him? You don't really believe in him like you say you do. You know why you're not really worrying about dealing with the things in your life that you know he can't jerk, that he can't bless, that he's gonna, you're going to answer to him for? You really don't think you're going to answer but you are. But the wonderful thing is he's made provision for you already to be forgiven, to be saved, to have repentance. I don't know about y'all. There's unbelievable goodness in God. So today we're going to sing a song. I'm going to ask you to respond. I know with this many people in this room, there's people here that ain't saved. That your life if you died right now, you don't know if you're going to go to heaven or not. Some of you know you're not going to go. God will fix that. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've got from God. God will save you if you'll just come to him. David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I called out to the Lord and he answered me. The Lord will save you today. And friends, all of us got things in our life we wish wasn't there. The Lord will bless you. You know, today you might be discouraged. You might have things. You said, preacher, you think that septic tank thing was bad. You think getting in your flesh and embarrassing yourself is bad. Letting down the Lord is bad. You wouldn't believe what I got in my life. Friends, I would believe it. I'm a preacher. You wouldn't believe what I've been told. All around, my friend, there's trouble in the land. Look around. There's problems. There's, there's, there's terror. There's fears, but God will take them from you if you'll come and taste of him. I'm going to ask you if you need to be saved, just come right here, sit right there, and we'll help you to know. If you are saved and you need to find out the next thing, just trust God. But we're going to stand in the midst of all this stuff called life, and we're going to trust God this morning for what we need. Father in heaven, I want to thank you that as David showed us with Saul, hounding him, trying to kill him, being told he's the next king of Israel, but yet, Lord, you still let Saul keep the throne. David continued to trust you, hiding in caves, living in a wilderness, running for his life day by day. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father God, that's the goodness of God. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, your goodness is better than our badness.
And Lord, I pray today that you'll save a lost soul, that you'll help someone who's bound and who's lost their joy and needs to be restored, that we would taste today and see the goodness of God. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. And I pray right now for your will to be done in each life here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need to come, come today. He's here. He will help you.